This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Thanks, disembodied hot girl voice. This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I'm Ernie. And I am Robert. And yes, we are both extremely excited today because we have a special guest. Oh my gosh. With the, yes. the smartest guy we've ever had on this podcast. I'm going to f- and say it. Yeah, no, go go right. Go ahead and say why it's the smartest there, Ernie. If you're going to take lead, go right ahead. He's got letters after his name that he. Yeah. It's just amazing. I first time I talked to a, a PhD. Yes, yes, and I want to make sure I get this right. Jason von Stein is a dang it i did it wrong i knew it was gonna happen i knew it jason i knew um we can call you dr St- uh all right how do you say the last name jason von von steets. steets i'll get it right by the end of the show i promise jason von steets phd clinical psychologist phd is the important part here but even bigger than that yep. is an important impressive he is a huge fan of two of the things that start with star and we both are very huge fans of that, of course. How conflicting. So, How conflicting. I know. They, there are two universes that some people uh, say are the opposite ends of the spectrum and they should never meet. But I think we may have that in uh, – should I call you Dr. Jason? Uh, you can. You can. I usually just go by Jason. But, uh... <laughs> we're, we're talking. We're talking the stars, Warner. Especially we're starting Star Trek, which I think. And, and get correct me if I'm wrong. You're the bigger fan of Star Trek, in some ways, I would assume. Oh, that's tough, but yeah, I would say I'm a bigger fan of Star Trek. Well, at least it's a lot. Uh, at least up to this point, it's been a lot less controversial. That's true. That's true. Because <laughs> you know what they say about Star Wars. The only thing that can ruin Star Wars are Star Wars fans. You know, so. Yes. <laughs> Star Trek fans are very, yeah. very minutia oriented. Is is that something that you pride yourself on, Jason? That you very much into the details of it or you just like the overarching stories? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I do like, I do like uh, the little details. I like the the uh, philosophical discussions and, you know, um, trying to, uh, you know, like Picard, if we're, if we're talking about uh, Star Trek Next Gen, uh, Picard needs to figure out if something is right or wrong. Um, and like, what what is, you know, the impossible solution that he needs to come up with in order to solve all the problems? Uh, so I really, I really like that. And then I also like the, just like the overarching, storyline of um you know it, it started with uh captain kirk or i guess really uh you know even before that uh, we have the prequel series and then it and then like there's this continuity that keeps going and is going to start again in the new picard show so yeah i i just i like all of it now do you have now i've noticed that in the star trek world because i've watched every star trek every everybody loves all star trek it seems but everybody has their favorite series or characters obviously picard is a great one for the moral conversation and that that's like that, that really deep philosophy but what what for you what is your character what is your show that you just that's the one you can always sit down and just watch sure i for me that would be uh, next gen um i started watching when i was a little kid um i had like a little toy tricorder um, I had uh, I had a little uh, Commander Riker and a little Jordy LaForge uh, action figure. Um, 
And uh, I mean, of course, I didn't really fully understand like all the uh, the nuance to the stories and and all that stuff. But I thought Jordy had a cool visor, and um, uh, I thought that oil monster that ate up Yar was scary. Um, there's lots of uh, just like lots of cool stuff that, that I really liked. And then I didn't watch it for a long time. And then at some point in grad school, I just thought, Hey, I, I remember that, that show. Um, uh, that, I remember that Star Trek show. I want to, I want to check that out. And then I would just put it on and then write some emails and do some work. And then slowly I just kind of got sucked into it and became really passionate about it again. Um, so next gen is still my favorite. But more recently, I finally watched DS9 because I didn't watch that for years, and it was a it was a slow burn for me too. But eventually, I was like, "Oh, this this show is awesome." Um, I, I like it because um, it's more modernized, where you don't get that perfect solution. Um, a lot of times, you um, you know the characters are much more gray versus black and white, so uh, that was uh, really attractive to me but i would still say that next gen is probably uh my favorite show overall that that's cool i i now for me i'm a i've had more exposure to star trek in my life because of the sheer volume of like shows mm. and movies so for me as a kid yeah. i remember the original star trek series and i felt it kind of fun and I remember the Saturday cartoon was kind of, eh, okay. But what, what really caught my attention were the movies and, um, mm. you know, the, from the original crew. So for me, two, four, and six were probably the best ones because no one likes the odd number ones, and I didn't like the odd number ones. Um, then Next Generation came out after Star Trek Four, or around the same mm. time, and I loved watching The Next Generation. Like, that to me was like, way better than the original uh, Star Trek series, the show. Mm -hmm. um, so I fell in love with that. Now, for me, the spinoffs, like Deep Space Nine, I always felt it kind of weird because they never went anywhere. But like you said, like mm -hmm. some of the characters were really good. Mm -hmm. And then they went into, if I'm not mistaken, it was Captain Janeway's show. Which one was that? Uh, Voyager. Voyager. Then came Voyager. And I and it couldn't grab me except for um, the one I hate to admit this Seven of Nine. That's the only thing that kept me watching that show. Yeah. Um, and she's coming back, actually. Yeah, yeah, right. Which I was like, oh. Um, then after that, it was uh, it was Captain Bacula, right? Yes. Yeah. I guess it was. And my God, that show had so much time travel in it. You're like, what show am I watching? Now, now let me gauge your 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 reaction to this. Then J.J. Abrams comes along and says, "Nah, I don't care about you guys. What you guys like? I'm taking all this all this stuff out of Star Trek and just giving you action and Beastie Boys." What was your reaction <laughs> around that whole reset? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it was fun at that time. I wasn't into Star Trek anymore, and then that was just like a fun um kind of loud action-packed movie so i did go see that and i thought oh yeah star trek i remember that thing that's cool and then 
later on I got more into the show. Uh, so I think I think those JJ movies can be a great entrance into Star Trek for people who maybe don't know anything about Star Trek or maybe they thought it was too slow paced. Then they can see those movies, get interested in watching something else, a little bit more character driven, more philosophical and, and like, like that can be like their just their their halfway point. See, and this is what uh, that this right, what you said right there is the perfect explanation of the difference between a Star Trek fan and I, I hate to go back to Star Wars, but I'm going to do it uh, and a Star Wars fan. A Star Trek yeah. fan will say every series has value. This is a great way to blank into or get started with or to enjoy this type or whatever. Star Wars, it's like the prequels were there to start a new generation of people who've never seen the originals, weren't in theaters for those, to have them get an experience, to be intros to the world. And that was not the reaction at all. Right, right. It's, it's so it's so different. Now, obviously, Star Trek has a lot of episodes, even in The Next Generation. Are there some of your favorite uh, story arcs that you liked or uh, episodes that really kind of stick out, that really kind of were that, you said you had that moment of, now I'm now I really am passionate about this. Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, when I was a kid, even though now uh, we look back on the episode where Tasha Yar uh, died, and I've heard a lot of criticism about it. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, that episode was you know it was scary. Uh, Tasha Yar died, and I was sad. And that. Uh, you know, so that that was like a really exciting episode for me that I still remember. Um, more recently, like when I started rewatching the show um, during grad school, uh, one of the first episodes that really stood out to me was Measure of a Man. Uh, I thought that was just amazing. And, you know, that show uh, came out years ago and then it still uh, holds up today. Um, and then pretty much like most of the most of the data episodes, most of the Picard episodes, um, you know, uh, storylines dealing with Picard and the Borg or Inner Light, um, where Picard is, uh, you know, um, has that lifetime of experience uh, in his mind where he uh, gets trapped on a planet sort of. Uh, raises a family oh the flute episode yes 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 Yes. that was that was a really good episode i was looking at the the measure of man because i forgot that one too that's actually i think something they're going to bring back in the new picard because they kind of show a scene i don't know if you watched the trailer for it i mean unfortunately it's behind one of those paywalls that we keep getting these days but i saw the trailer in one of the trailer scenes it has data in a drawer you know, just disassembled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it looks like at some point for some reason, which I guess is the story point, he comes back, you know, they reassemble him. And it's just kind of interesting given that episode specifically about the legal battle for your own body almost. Right. Right. It, yeah, and it right. still holds true. Yeah, exactly. That's, it was a great episode. Um, and then it's kind of been recreated by the Orville, um, but it's been more updated where, uh, you know, at the end of the Orville episode, there's not a perfectly happy conclusion 
um, where they solve all the world's problems. Um, so I, I thought that was really good on the Orville. But going back to Next Gen, it can be really like it's it can be really comforting to watch a show where they deal with all these really like real and dark issues, and then they wrap it up in a tight little bow and uh, you know everything is safe at the end so that can be it's fun and it can be really comforting and, and inspiring too yeah and that is one of the things that i think the orville did um did you watch all of it before it's going behind a paywall as well yeah <laughs> okay because that one did that did the same you're right it did that the, the grittier version, I guess. And even though it was supposed to be a parody, I mean, it was supposed to be kind of the, the joke, it really started to do some episodes that were like, that's not that's not a joke. And you're not treating it like a joke. You're not making a parody anymore. You're trying to be quasi-legit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it changed a lot of people's minds about that 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 kind of thing and about how we kind of take a show and not and, and messy it up, I guess is the idea, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like it's it's kind of like a joke and a parody, like sort of like making fun of Star Trek, but at the same time, it has a lot of the qualities that you love about Star Trek. So then it is just also a legitimate version of like a great sci-fi show. Right, and my and I've always said this: the best sci-fi writing to me is always when it's allegorical, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Orville did that good well. Now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I wasn't able to see a lot of the last, uh, the a majority of Discovery that was on mm-hmm. the CBS uh, app. Yeah, um, I don't know if you caught any of that, but like the reaction from it from like tr- like true like Star Trek fans really wasn't that wasn't that well received um how what did you think about that um let's see well the the first season um it they they really play if we're talking about just the show they really played the long game where they set you up like if you're like if you know a lot of star trek then you think oh this i'm not sure if this is really star trek you know this captain Lorca guy he's not really like a Star Trek captain. He's, you know, this is, this show is much darker. This, a lot of things aren't making sense. And then towards the end of the season, you know, without giving away uh, spoilers, um, a lot of things start to make sense. And then there is a big, there is a payoff and you go, Oh, that's why it seemed like it wasn't Star Trek. But now, now I get it. And it is, it is much more Star Trek. Um, and they like they really played the long game that way, where people were uncomfortable for a long time, thinking that they weren't getting the show that they were supposed to get. Um, yeah, it's a it's a funny thing. Uh, and then as far as the uh, the reaction of the fans, it's it's really it's interesting when you have an expectation, and if something doesn't meet that expectation, whether it's good or bad, it can just feel wrong and icky. Like when you think you're drinking. A Pepsi, but then it's actually iced tea, and it feels just like oh, what? Like like something seriously wrong. Even though you might love iced tea, so I think people's expectations weren't being met, and that was that was uncomfortable. But then uh, in season two, I think uh, it turns into much more of what people really wanted, and I think it was done well. 
What is isn't there a term there? I mean, I'm going to pull on your PhD here for a second, if if you don't mind. There is actually a term for that, though, isn't there? Like a, a psychological term for when people experience that. Yeah, I'm not sure what term would fit the best, but one thing that yeah. is coming to mind is maybe cognitive dissonance. Um, let's see. So when somebody that's what I was hoping you were going to say, actually, <laughs> I, I was thinking that in the back of my mind, yeah. that was what I was. Yeah, that was, that's the one actually. That's exactly. Wow. Yeah. You hit the nose on the head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. No, because it's, it's ironic because you get that a lot and that's kind of, it's kind of the discomfort that these shows and movies of the same kind of feel built in. I mean, they tried to do it. I think they pulled it off successfully with the Spider-Man movie too. With with the whole make, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I'm way behind okay. on the MCU. That's okay. You can watch it and not have to know anything else about the MCU except okay. what happens at the end of Endgame. But you know that you have to see that to live. Yeah. But it, they do the same thing there too, and they do it a lot in in a lot of older movies, not as well. Where they kind of try to make that switch on you. Mm-hmm. A lot of those, what I call the the psychological thrillers, like yeah. uh, Inception. Right, you know, right. those types of um, Shutter Island, mm-hmm. which ironically both have this, one of the same actors in them. <laughs> um, but those types of genres really kind of pull, trying to pull that away from you and think it's one thing and then just totally pull the rug out from under you. Right, right. Yeah. Then yeah. Some- and it's- oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go on. Oh, I, I was just going to put on my movie critic hat a little bit and uh, – Oh, good. And sometimes that's done really well, um, where you have a certain type of expectation, and then it doesn't happen, and you're blown away, and it's it's great. Like, um, uh, you know, in the in the early seasons of Game of Thrones, where everybody was sure that Ned Stark was going to live, and then even like even though all the signs pointed to him dying, you still thought he was going to live, and then he died. And as far as this the power of the story it was it was amazing but then there, you can also just subvert expectations just maybe for the sake of subverting them and then people are left feeling uh, unsatisfied like kind of like the end the last season of the game of thrones where it seemed like things were just happening maybe just to surprise you uh, and not really um in order to tell like a, a great story and really connect with with the audience which is kind of a weird reversal, right? Because, I mean, the Ned Stark thing happened like what? The very, very – that was the end of the first season if I remember yeah, correctly yeah. or something like that? Yeah. So you you build up to this and you get exactly what you didn't want to happen, but you yeah. knew it was going to happen. And in the end of this – I mean because I, I binged watched all of them. Like I waited yeah. until it ended. I said, don't tell mm-hmm. me anything. I'm going to binge watch it because it's one of those things you just kind of kind of watch mm-hmm. all at once. And I binged all the episodes right before the, the mm-hmm. last episode. Like yeah. I caught up just in time. Yeah. But that ending, a lot of people felt, as you said, it was a buildup saying it was going one direction. And then mm-hmm. they th- pulled the rug out from under you. I mean if you think about right. what our dragon, our dragon lady did. Mm-hmm. You know, they totally screwed with everybody. They said, "Okay, she's gonna get it. She's the one. She's doing the right thing." And then she starts to, "Okay, she made a mistake. It's okay. It's okay. She can come back. She can come back." And then she doesn't. And you're like, "What? What? No. What?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he. And then the last scene, and you're like, 
and that is that kind of where that unsatisfaction came from do you feel especially with that with that series i think so i think it's you know um in in the earlier seasons uh, when it was still based off of the book everything made sense it was all based off of the characters and they were really like like after something terrifying happens like Ned Stark dying or the wed the red wedding or something like that when you look back you go oh everything was leading to that I can't believe I missed it everything makes sense when you think about like the psychology of the characters like of course they did that and then in the the final season it's like wait a second but you know why why did this character do this when when everything I thought I knew about the character said he was going to do something else or she was going to do something else. Like it just like, it wasn't the characters that we knew anymore and we couldn't really look and understand why they made those decisions or what exactly was leading up to that outcome. And that's, that's the key that I think, I think you're right. I think that's the piece of it. If you can, reasonably logically say okay yeah it's definitely not what mm-hmm. i expected to happen but it's reasonable at the character right. level then that's one thing but if they go totally left field with it and it seems quote unquote uh, out of character mm-hmm. then you totally will lose the audience in every way possible right. at that point which again they did it right before the end and then you know you got the protests of people like we want to refilm the whole thing and we're going to sign petitions and it's like you guys it's done they've they've gone home they're not even in the room anymore why are you continuing to argue nobody cares um, so it gets it gets really weird with that um, but before we before we go further because I have some other we have definitely some other things we want to talk about we want to try to go into uh, some more of the clinical psychology of building a character for some yeah. of these shows. But before we do, we want to take a very brief commercial break, and I want to talk about some of our sponsors for the show, which we want to thank. Uh, first, we want to thank Podcoin because they are the ones who get us the extra listens. They are the ones that keep us uh, out there amongst the people, and we thank them very much for that. But I also want to take a hot minute and talk also about where we're actually hosting all of this content um, and that is of course anchor um, anchor.fm is where we host all of our content for all of our shows so you can listen to them on all of your devices and i'm talking everything from spotify google play apple all across the board you can listen to us on every platform so i want to thank you guys for listening we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back Seamless transition. And we've returned. Yes, it is seamless as always. Arnie, I want you to kick us off. I'm going to talk about uh, – well, well, why don't you tell us what we're going to talk about, Arnie, because you're next. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk to him because earlier you mentioned uh, that you you liked Rocky. Yes, yes. I love Rocky. He's one of the great uh, uh, sports heroes of uh, all time as far as movies go. Now, you've seen them all. Well, uh, let's see. I know I've seen them all in my life. The main one that I've seen is the first one. And then uh, I'm most familiar with, of course, uh, the one with Drago, where it's like montage, montage after montage. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Rocky, I think it was five, oh. Rocky Balboa, and then the two Creed movies. Okay. All right. So you got them all. Yeah. Perfect. I have seen them all as well. Mm-hmm. And Rocky was a big part of like every kid's yeah. life, like in the 
late seventies or eighties, like going into the nineties. Cause I think Rocky five, which is the one with, um, Tommy Morrison. Oh, look at that one. Yeah. I, yeah. That was one. that was his last one of that original run would still mm-hmm. like Talia Shire was still in, yeah. in ball with, I think it was the last of the originals. Mm-hmm. Now go into that whole, like, because I remember like the fervor of like what the first Rocky movie did for like people watching sure. it. Like, even though he didn't win at that, mm-hmm. it kind of gave people like the, you know what? I may not win, but at least, you know, the thought of me like doing something and just trying it is good enough reward. Right. Do you think that's a fair assumption to say that's what that character is supposed to like exemplify? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a lot of times in sports and, and just like in life in general, uh, people can uh, do something called all or nothing thinking. Um, that's an unhelpful thinking style that can lead to a lot of problems uh, where uh, or you can also call it black or white thinking. That's where something is either one way, like it's either all good, it's, it's either perfect or it's completely bad. Like there's no value to it. So all or nothing thinking. Um, so a lot of times in sports, people will think, well, they'll, they'll say things like uh, second place is first loser. Um, that might sound kind of cool, but, uh, you know, uh, that that can lead to um, putting a lot of pressure on someone that could lead to focusing only on the outcome. Um, so like if if you if you're thinking about um, uh the outcome, like you have to win, then you're not thinking about the task at hand. You're not thinking about the things that you need to do, the things you need to stay focused on in order to perform at your best. And the best way to get the outcome you want, the best way to win is by focusing on the the process, by focusing on, on what you need to do, which will lead to better performance, which will lead to winning. So even so, even if all you care about is winning, what you should be doing, or what what would be very helpful to you, is to focus not on the outcome, not on winning, but just on your your performance, your task. So uh, so that's you know what would help you in in sports, but then also just in life. Um, you know, there's only going to be one best in the world. So then, if you're not that person, are are you going to feel bad about yourself? Are you going to feel not good enough as a person? Um, even though you might be uh, an Olympic silver medalist, you might be the second best. Um, you know, if if you go on a vacation with your family and you don't get to do every single thing that you want to do, is the vacation now terrible and a huge waste of time? You know, so, so all or nothing thinking can really uh, cause a lot of, uh, anxiety in people because they put pressure on themselves. It can cause depression because, you know, nothing is ever going to be perfect. So then that means everything is bad. Everything is terrible. Um, and Rocky, and he does a great job of, uh, at least like, you know, he goes on this journey and then at the end, he didn't necessarily get the outcome that he wanted. He didn't, you know, win the belt. He didn't, um, um, uh, you know, he didn't uh, knock Apollo Creed out in the first round 
but you know like proving how amazing he is but he proved to himself that he could um give it his all like he 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 focused on the process he left it all out there he did his very best and then that was satisfying to him uh, so that i think rocky does a great job of teaching that lesson so in and i and i want to ask like the like what the characters meant like on a psychological mm-hmm. like point of view what who was mickey in that whole story mm-hmm. like what what does mickey's character represent sure sure yeah let me think about that um so at first so mickey is kind of he's he's a father figure to uh to rocky um we we don't learn a lot about rocky's um about his family about his his early life all we know is that you know he looks at his mirror and he sees a little picture of himself as as a cute little kid and then he and then what and then we see him what he looks like today and maybe his face is all bruised up and um you know he's living in a an apartment um that's kind of in shambles and uh um you know it's his life and we know at at the beginning of the movie his life isn't what he wants it to be and we see from that cute little picture that picture of him as a cute little kid that like we're, we're supposed to think oh he was adorable people you know he he probably had a lot of hope people probably had high expectations for him because we know that he's a really good athlete um and he's charming and all that stuff but then for some reason his life did not turn out the way that he had hoped or that people had probably hoped for him and we know that mickey is you know he's sort of like he's well he's the trainer so he's this um this uh this source of wisdom this source of guidance he's essentially a father figure for rocky and mickey is very disapproving of rocky at least at the very beginning he calls him a bum but then like through their journey together and from rocky from from mickey you know, wanting to help him and going from rejecting him to then offering him support and guidance, they begin to develop this relationship. And and when Rocky starts listening to Mickey, he starts doing better and better. And then that helps him, you know, on this this process of, you know, performing his best as an athlete and this process of just personal development and starting to have the life that he wants. So I mean, I guess to sum it up, uh, you know, as much as I can, Mickey's a father figure who uh, just teaches Rocky and instills lessons. So I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. I'm going to insert you as in into the movie, and you're one of the three judges of that fight between yeah. him and Apollo. Do you give him the decision, or do you give it to the champ? Because, you know, he didn't, like you said, he didn't knock yeah. out. Apollo Creed, they went 15 rounds, which right. is unheard of nowadays. Um, who do you oh, give that decision man. to? Like without that's that's a really tough question. Uh, without watching the fight and like taking down notes, it would be really hard. But just going off of memory, the thing that made Rocky so inspiring, um, even though it wouldn't be physically healthy at all, is that he could just take all those punches and then just keep going. So as a metaphor, that's great. You know, life is going to beat you up, 
Um, you know, life is going to be very hard, but you as a person need to weather that storm and stay focused on your goals and remember why you're doing something, why it's important to you and keep going no matter how hard it is in real life. Uh, don't take those punches, move, you know, move your head from side to side. Um, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Cover up your face. Yeah, Please put your cover exactly. up. Yeah. In real life, there's probably some CTE or like there's, there's some, uh, you know, there's some damage to the brain going on there. So in real life, I would say um, Apollo landed more punches and therefore uh, probably won the fight. But as a metaphor, Rocky did a great job, and he had like a triumph of the spirit that was very inspiring. It, it seems like two different directions of, and it's funny because you, I mean, for me, Rocky is a great mm-hmm. movie of 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 tropes of the the classical, mm-hmm. as you said, the classic father figure. You see in a lot of movies. I mean, you see it in Star Wars, mm-hmm. you see it in Star Trek, you see it in yeah. Game of Thrones, you see it. I mean, you just pick something, you'll find the father figure, um, or you know, in some cases, the mother figure, but. Oh, Typically, I mean, you can go like, you know, all the way to, to some of the older stuff. Um, you can go and you still see that figure. You also see that. And that's that's the question that I really have for you is mm-hmm. that, that that piece there, which you talked about, is the yes, taking the physical or emotional damage makes, you know, it's going to be thrown mm-hmm. at you. And to overcome it is the better option right. is a lot of what the movie talks to than if you just try to avoid some of that damage in the first place you'd actually be better Mm. in the long run is that something that you've kind of experienced at all in in your clinical or your you know when you've done your work with people that they have this mentality of i'm going to take these hits in whatever emotional Mm -hmm. or physical whether it's a sports person or not rather than well here's some techniques to avoid that so you're not right, right. injured yeah that's a great question um so the answer is kind of uh kind of nuanced so on one hand uh what you're saying i i completely agree with it someone can really instead of making bad decisions or i don't want to say bad but unhelpful or unhealthy decisions that could lead to a lot of emotional pain what they could do is think about you know like maybe taking a breath, maybe, maybe a lot of these decisions are based off of emotion and, um, you know, you're, you're stressed out and your adrenaline is pumping. And, um, so then you act impulsively and people can really benefit from taking some deep breaths and slowing things down and then thinking things through and, um, you know, uh, really, uh, helping themselves to not react to some kind of emotional trigger. Uh, but then on the other hand, so, so that's true. And then on the other hand, a lot of mental health problems will come from avoidance. So, uh, so that's a little bit different from, from what you were talking about. So a lot of times when someone has a negative emotion, like let's say uh, social anxiety or performance anxiety, if you're an athlete, they might just avoid whatever situation is going to cause that anxiety. So let's say Rocky had like a lot of performance anxiety. He might say, okay, I don't, I don't want to feel this performance anxiety anymore. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drink all night and then that's going to, then he's going to, you know, cope with his anxiety 
or avoid his anxiety by drinking alcohol. And then maybe he'll be hung over the next day and he'll say, screw it. I'm not even going to fight, you know? So that avoiding what's causing or avoiding feeling the, the performance anxiety is effective in the short term because in the short term, he's not going to feel that anxiety, but then in the long term, you know, he lost his big chance. He, um, he's going to probably lose his support system. You know, Adrian's going to say, uh, yeah, I can't believe you did that. You blew it. I don't want to be with you anymore. You know, who knows what's going to happen. So avoidance can have lots of problems like that. So what people need to do is kind of approach those negative feelings with and without avoiding it. So allow themselves to feel that performance anxiety. And then over time, that anxiety is just going to go down on its own. And the more and more you just allow yourself to uh, do things that cause you anxiety, the more the anxiety is going to go away and not be a problem anymore. And then you're going to be able to live the kind of life that you want to live and perform uh, the way you would like to and do your best. Wow. I, I, I don't know about you, Ernie, but I just, I wow. feel smarter now. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, the next, the next Rocky marathon, yeah. we'll definitely have to get together and watch this. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you feel they're going to continue the story for for Rocky, given kind of the last couple of movies and how they didn't necessarily live up to what we were hopeful of? And now that he, I think I think uh, Sylvester is coming out with another the final movie for Rambo, like what? That's hard to say. Uh, in the last or in the second Creed movie, it seemed like they were really trying to wrap, wrap up Rocky's storyline where, um, you know, he had a falling out with his son and then he keeps thinking about getting back in touch with him. And then at the end, he has this moment where he, uh, you know, he knocks on someone's door and then they open the door and you see that it's his son and they have like a really nice moment. So it seemed like they were just trying to close his storyline. Um, you know, Rocky got that closure. He, he, he finally has the family that he wanted. Like that's, that we're, that's what we're led to believe. Um, so I don't know. I think, and, and Sylvester Stone, he's getting up there in years. So I think they're probably going to just wrap it up and maybe have some cameos in the next Creed movies. But uh, yeah, he, he might be done. Well, I have to, th- I have to say the first Creed movie like that, like mm-hmm. someone sent me the trailer, like in a text yeah. message and I had no idea what it was until like he's standing. I think there's a point in the trailer where the kid's looking at a picture and I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, that's Rocky punching Apollo. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a Rocky movie. And then you hear his yeah. voice, and it's like everything explodes after that. So um, I, I, see, I, I, I agree with you. I think, they're, I think these movies are mm-hmm. going to be less about, like, Rocky himself and more like just, hey, whatever happened to him? Like, you know, did he finally get happy? Because his wife tragically died of cancer, right? Is that what he? I think that's what he said in Creed, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, in in Creed, I think I think Rocky was like because he was getting tested right. for cancer as well, and he was like, "I want to die because yeah. this is the way she died." Right? I think that's so. We're getting the impression that she passed away due right. to a, yeah, a long like illness. That. And then I think in in Rocky Balboa, he kind of briefly mentions 
like the way that he says it, like she died of a, a woman's cancer. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, it was cancer, maybe, maybe breast cancer, something like that. Right, right. So like, he's all alone now at this point. And I guess, like you said, his relationship with his son, and I think in yeah. Balboa, his son kind of like rejected him for being Rocky, I think it was. Yeah, because I, I think they're telling us that uh, Rocky's son always lived in his shadow. Uh, you know, it's very hard growing up with a father who is this essentially a legendary figure and uh, that you know maybe that put a lot of pressure on him maybe that made him feel very small maybe that made him feel like he he could never live up to his father so then he he tried to create a completely different identity you know he's not a boxer he's not like a working class guy from philly he's uh, a guy in a suit who works in a big uh fancy business office so yeah so rocky's son just rejected him and the idea of him and was trying to go in a completely different direction in his life. Now, quick question. Do you ever come across this like in the real world where like maybe you see it from a distance, you'll see like these families that were like maybe the patriarch or like the older mm-hmm. part of the family were all like sports oriented and then like their children, they kind of like have that same moment like in the movie? Yeah, that can that can definitely happen. Um I see uh, oftentimes what I'll see because I work with athletes. So what I'll see is just a little bit different, but still very similar where maybe it's, you know, uh, the, the athlete doesn't really know why they're doing it anymore. And it's a lot of it comes from pressure from the parents. Uh, the parents want them to get a scholarship maybe, or the parents are putting a lot of like their dreams and their ambition into the kid and a lot of times the the kid has just lost all their their passion in the sport and are just kind of just kind of doing it because the parent wants them to and then some I've even worked with some athletes who um who that kind of dynamic was going on but they also thought well on the other hand I do love this sport so I don't want my parents to ruin, you know, my enjoyment of the sport. So we'll work on kind of dealing with all that pressure from their family and then also helping them to find their own reason why, like their own motivation and their own value system and their own goals for sports and try to try to put that pressure from the family to the side and then focus on what it is that they want and what they want to get out of their experience. And that's such a positive message for for today's youth because it, it, we we come to an era now that's kind of like a a a a, a participation mm-hmm. level of everybody has to be everybody has to participate right. everybody has to play everybody has to be the best everybody has to win and it can be so hard mm-hmm. on kids when they're like yeah I just want to play because right. it's fun as I enjoy the sport I don't care win or lose I just want to play and be the best I can be and it's such a hard thing in a lot of communities to kind of see that for one reason or another, where parents are just, it's all the pressure mm-hmm. is there from the parents. The kid wants to play, but the parents are just making it almost unbearable for them to enjoy right. playing. Right. And that's just a hard thing to, it's a hard thing. And it, it feels, and you kind of are probably closer to it than the rest of us. It feels like it's a growing mm-hmm. trend. Yeah, I don't know what the statistics uh, the statistics are, but uh, it's definitely something that's very present. Yeah, yeah. and prevalent in a lot of cultures, mm-hmm. so it's kind of crazy. Um, 
Well, I, I want to. I want to first. We've been. We've been. If you can imagine, we've been doing this for almost fifty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> we've been. We've, we've we've gotten lost in this. Yeah. This is this is really great. We're definitely gonna have to kind of have you guys yeah. have you come back on again in the near future for more Rocky talk and see if we can get we can sneak a view of that yeah. Picard series so for those of us who aren't willing to pay an arm and a leg for another <laughs> another pay portal. <sighs> just one more after the other. But I wanted to give you a chance, Jason, before we end the show today, if you had anything you wanted to promote for yourself to get that little mini ad for yourself in today. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Uh, not so much. Uh, well, you can check uh, You can check out my uh, private practices social media. Uh, we're on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as at CBT SoCal. Uh, so you can follow us on that. That'd be awesome. Uh, that's where I promote the stuff that I do. Like I work with uh, women's premier, uh, women's soccer uh excuse me, women's premier soccer league team. Uh, I work with uh, lots of teams and athletes at Whittier College. So I uh, promote a lot of the stuff I do on that social media. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. And I'd love to come back. We can talk about more about Star Trek, about Rocky, about Star Wars. Uh, I I love Kylo Ren. <laughs> so you yep. talk about this. this <laughs> We're gonna have to have yeah. you back before the next movie comes out. We're gonna we're gonna do that then. We're gonna have you come back before the movie, the before December, yeah, so we can talk awesome. about that. <laughs> well, thank you. And look, if anyone is out in the California area and needs some good uh, CBT, if you will, cognitive behavior therapy center yeah. of uh, so- SoCal, if you will. Definitely reach out to Jason and, and, and reach out to his group. Um, we'll put some links in uh, in the feed, of course, as always. Um, we want to thank you so much for being on and having a great – I mean, I feel I feel smarter about how these characters are built and, and what that – to quote you, that cognitive dissonance really kind of feels like because uh, I love that. That's one of my favorite terms. And I love hearing people actually be able to explain it well. I was like, yes, I can hear it. It's done well. Finally, I can – Take your explanation and use it. Um, if you guys are following us, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, of course, which thank you, Pinterest. I don't know. We've gotten like uh, like 100 mm-hmm. visitors and followers in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. So, yay. Um, and, of course, we're trying our hand at TikTok. We don't know if we'll make anything of that, but we're holding our fingers mm-hmm. high and hoping for the best. Um, but definitely catch us on all your favorite podcasts. And Ernie – Make us feel a little cognitive dissonant, if you will, with a nice peace out. And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel. <laughs>